This morning, I wanted to study for just a little while about Joseph. Um, he's uh, spoken about there in Genesis chapters 37 and then again in 39 through 50. Now, we're not going to be able to study everything about Joseph uh, that's mentioned in these, in these uh, chapters. So I encourage you to study on your own uh, after you leave and because there's many lessons there in Joseph for us to learn from. The first thing we're told about Joseph is in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 2. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bela and with his, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now, everyone here that has siblings, brothers and sisters, can kind of relate to this young man here, can't you? He's 17 years old and he's out there with his brothers. And he goes home to his dad and tells on them for what they've done. You know, Joseph was just a regular young man. And we're told uh, there in verse 3 that he was the most loved of Israel. Now, Israel... Through these chapters, Jacob will be referred to as Jacob and as Israel as you go through these chapters because his name was changed to Israel by God. Now there in verse 3 it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And that's the first thing that I think about when somebody says Joseph. I think of that coat of many colors as a old Dolly Parton song that uh, was kind of taken from this scripture. But that's how much that uh, Jacob cared for his son Joseph. He was the apple of his eye, his favorite kid. His brothers were jealous because of this. There in verse 4, And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now, between verses 4 and 11, it tells the story of uh, Joseph having a dream. Two dreams. And in these dreams, his brothers basically bowed down to him. In verse 11, uh, his brothers responded and his brethren envied him of these these sayings, this, this little brother basically having dreams saying, I'm going to be greater than you. And uh, as we go along there, I wanted to take uh, an opportunity to look at the nature of sin. You know, we, these brothers, they hated their brother and they envied him. But sin does not exist in a vacuum. Have you ever noticed that when sin is present and it's unrepented of in our own lives, that this sin does not stay just that sin? It multiplies and becomes other things. It begets more sin. In Jeremiah 9 and 3, And they bend their tongues like the bow for lies, but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth, for they proceed from evil to evil. And they know not me, saith the Lord. 
the works of the flesh here in Galatians. I want you to think about this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, immolations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told, also told you in past time, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, the things that you've witnessed in your life, in other people, that had a problem with one of these things, didn't they usually have problems with, with many of them? You see? In our own lives, the things that I've struggled with in the past, uh, some of these things on here, it did not exist in a vacuum. This sin led to other types of sin. It's the nature of it. It multiplies. <clears throat> Back there in Genesis chapter 37, now, Jacob sends Joseph to go look on his brothers to see how they're doing. They're taking the flocks out to the fields to feed them. And he sends Joseph out to look for them. His brother, his brothers see him coming. There in verse 19, and they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him. You see how this thing has progressed? From hating, envying, not being able to speak to their brother. Now it's progressed to conspiracy to kill him. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say... Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. We're going to kill him. Then what's going to happen to his dreams? But Judah had an idea. So they catch Joseph. They strip him of his coat that his father made for him, and they throw him in a pit. So he's down there in the pit. And his brothers sit down for a bite to eat. And they're sitting there talking to each other. And Jesus said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they threw, drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. So they have progressed from hating and envying to conspiracy to commit murder. And finally, they settle on the lesser of two evils. Let's just sell him into slavery. The cover-up. Now, I can remember my first memory uh, of a kid doing something I, that was wrong, that I knew was wrong, and I did it anyway. I was just a little kid in Allison, Texas. They used to have a little uh, grocery store there. And usually they didn't even take money. They just, people just come in there and get what they want, and they'd write it down on a notebook. And there ain't no telling how much money that me and Sean charged up to our grandparents by going in there, okay? But I remember the first time the first memory I have of doing something wrong is going in there and pocketing 
a one or two cent piece of bubble gum and put it in my pocket. Trying to hide it. Trying to hide it. Okay? And that's the nature of what we do with sin a lot of times. We try to hide it. You're familiar with Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son, when he asked for his inheritance. Why did he take that inheritance to a far country, away from his father, to commit sin? Why did he do that? Because he didn't want his father to see him doing it. That was one of the reasons. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 37 and verse 31. And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors as they had brought it to their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. You see, they tried to cover their sin. They cooked up this lie to tell their father. Jesus speaks about this in Luke chapter 12 and verse 2. For there is nothing covered that shall not, be, shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which you have spoken in the ear and closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Whatever we've done that we carry with us that is unrepented, it may re remain hidden for a while. And you may, may, make it all the way through life with that, hid, with that hidden. But it will be revealed. And that's a scary thought to me. To stand in front of God and to have this revealed. The things that I've hid. Another aspect of sin. The harvest of it. The harvest of it. Now, there is a harvest of repented of sin. And there's a harvest of repented of sin. The sins we repent of, we go to meet our, our reward, and those are not held to our account because we repented of those sins. Those that are not, we still have the sins that we repent of, there's still a price to pay on earth. There's still a fleshly harvest. And what I mean by that is this. You look upon a drunkard that's been drinking for 30 years and he repents of his sins, does that mean his liver's not shot? You take a man who lives a rough life and is a liar and a cheat and he comes to his senses and comes to God, repents of his sins, is washed in the blood of Christ. Now, does that mean that that man is trusted by the community like that? No. Does it mean that people look at him and have a doubt? You see, there's a harvest in the flesh. 
that we reap. In Galatians 6 and 7, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now, do you suppose that when these guys, these brothers, decided to sell Joseph into slavery, do you think that they expected Joseph to be separated from his family for 20 years, 13 years of a, as a slave, and two years of that in prison? Maybe so, I don't know. Do you think that they wanted Jacob to weep and be unconsolable because of the loss of his son? Do you think that they were thinking about the pain and the loss that all of Joseph's friends and family felt when they thought he was dead? Do you think that they were going to have to carry that price for years and years of that, that lie that they told? And finally, do you think they thought about the shame that they would have to tell the truth someday? I don't think so. I think they just wanted what they wanted in the moment. I had, uh, <clears throat> back in uh, 1992, I had, uh, was fixing to go to the Marine Corps, and uh, Mom and Dad and Grandpa Red, Grandpa Anna, got together and put together a send sending away party for me. Bunch of the family was going to come over there to the house. We had a cookout, that type of thing. Well, between being told about this and it actually happening, I had some friends come along and invite me to go on another deal. Okay? So I went and I figured, well, I, I have enough time to get back. One thing led to another. I'm running around with these guys and these gals. And I show up at this party about three hours late. Everybody's ready to leave. They put this party together for me, and I didn't even show up for it. And I remember the pain and the, and the hurt in my family's eyes. The disappointment in my Grandpa Red's eyes for me not showing up. Now, do you think that I was thinking about that? I, I didn't want to hurt them. But I did. Because those desires that I followed, I didn't think about them. Abuse of liberty. Just because we have the liberty to do something, don't make it right. And a lot of times those liberties we take will hurt other people. Now, like I said before, I encourage you to Go through this study of Joseph, chapter by chapter. Uh, you know, he's, he's sold into slavery there. He goes, he's sold to Potiphar, the captain of the guard of Pharaoh in Egypt. The Lord is with him. It says this over and over, the Lord is with him. He's made out of the head of the household. Uh, a lie has told about him. He's thrown into prison. Shortly after he's thrown into prison, he becomes head of the prison. 
because they trust him so much. The Lord is with him. Throughout this whole thing, Joseph gives credit to God for the blessings that he receives. And it says the Lord is with him. He's released from prison and made second in command in Egypt. Only the Pharaoh was hired. Okay? The Lord was with him. Okay? And through these chapters, there's seven years of famine. His father is starving. The family's starving. So guess what? They send his brothers to go find food in Egypt. So he goes to Egypt. And they find Joseph there. They don't know who he is. But he provides for them. There's several trips back and forth from the father to Joseph. And he's taking care of his family throughout this. I encourage you to study it. Finally, Joseph is reunited with Jacob there towards the end. And there's much joy, much joy. Somewhere along that time, them boys had to tell their dad what they did. Jacob dies. They go up to bury him. And this is the main point that I want us to remember about this lesson this morning, this study. The reckoning. All these events have passed. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. It's payday. After Joseph has been taking care of them this whole time, now daddy's dead. Joseph's going to pay us back for what we did to him. They're so afraid that they send a messenger to Joseph. There in verse 16. And they sent a message unto Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept. So, this decision is put for him, before him again. To forgive or not to forgive. How many times do you face that? How many times do you face this same decision? I would adventure hundreds, if not thousands of times in a lifetime. We're faced with this decision over and over again. To forgive or not to forgive. This is the only verse that I don't have on the PowerPoint if you want to turn to Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> Starting there in verse 21. Then came Peter to him, came to Christ, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Can you relate to this guy? I can. How many times have I got to forgive this guy? Jesus, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. 
And we had, he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. An unpayable sum. He couldn't pay back this money in 10 lifetimes. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. So here's this guy that's been forgiven an unpayable debt. And after he's forgiven of this unpayable debt, he goes and finds his fellow servant who owes him a day's wages, or two days wages, whatever it was, and holds him up by the throat and says, Pay me. Pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay that debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told him of their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he had called, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. <clears throat> it's a life and death decision. It's a life and death decision. Matthew 6 and 14 for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, <clears throat> had a family member that had a habit of taking advantage of other family members. <clears throat> you know, when somebody hurts your wife or your husband or your kids, you really get defensive about that, don't you? I know, I do. <clears throat> After a particular occurrence of this, uh, I was really struggling, really struggling with the thoughts I was having about this guy. I mean, how many times are we going to let this happen before somebody does something? Okay? Something's got to be done. I didn't know the answer. I mean, I, I was losing all kinds of sleep behind this. How many times do I have to forgive him? I called up a trusted brother to ask him about this because I needed help. I needed help. You know what we did? He led us in a prayer. He led us in a prayer over the phone. You know what hit me? After that prayer was over, I had never prayed for that guy before. I'd never prayed for him. I just said with my mouth, I forgive him, I forgive him, over and over. A simple thought, I forgive him, I forgive him. I'd never prayed for him 
I'd never prayed for him. And you know what I realized at that moment? Those were just words. I'd never forgiven him. I never really forgave him. There back in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph gives his answer. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, your thought, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass. And it is this day too, too much to save much people alive. Now therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Forgiveness is just not words. Forgiveness is not a passive act. It is not a passive act. It's not, it's not three words, I forgive you. That's not forgiveness. It's not a thought in your mind saying, I forgive him. That's not, forgiveness is an active. It's an action. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them. It's an action. Matthew chapter 5 and 43. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. <clears throat> the realization that just saying I forgive you is not the whole story. Because in my particular instance, I had never loved that man. I had never shown him any love. I had never blessed him. I'd certainly never prayed for him. But you know what? When I first started praying for him, all I could say was, Dear God, please be with so-and-so, uh, and may your will be done in them. That's all I could say. But I'm going to tell you something. Over time, practicing the directions from God, practicing these things, God changed my heart towards this individual. Really changed my heart towards him. It wasn't because of me. It was because of God. Matthew 5 and 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Forgiving people is an opportunity. It is an opportunity for us as Christians. When somebody wrongs us, you know, a lot of times uh, the question is asked, do I have to forgive somebody if they don't ask me for forgiveness? The scripture says you do. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be more like Christ. To become closer to Him. To become more like Him. And finally, there is always room for forgiveness. Always. 1 John 1 and 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
there is always room for forgiveness. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.